There are certain phrases that sound helpful, but are actually infuriatingly unhelpful. Today's proverb from Deuteronomy is a good example of the latter. Choose life. It makes it sound as if life presents us with one door that says life, and one door that says not life, and all we have to do is pick the right one. But we know that's not true. Choose Life would be helpful if life were a choose-your-own-adventure novel where the options were all neatly laid out before us. It's less helpful when we try to actually apply it to our lives. Part of the difficulty with Choose Life comes from the inadequacy of our own choices. We often don't have the freedom to choose in meaningful ways. If you were at the Love Fund meeting uh, last Thursday at Temple Beth Rishon, You heard the stories of people in our community who are trying to stay out of poverty. And you should have noticed that old canard about people who live in poverty making bad choices doesn't actually match the reality of what's going on. The problem is not that these families have made bad choices. They're usually making really good choices. The problem is that the options they have to choose from aren't any good. The choice isn't life or death, it's food or rent, medicine or car repair. So talking about the importance of making better choices in those contexts seems either terribly naive or grossly insensitive, and probably both. The other difficulty with choosing life is that the term life is so amorphous. It's easy to talk about life in theory, but it's difficult to define what we actually mean by it. The language of choosing life seems easy until you do it in an actual situation. So take a common example, one we deal with all the time. If you forgo medical treatment that would prolong your life in favor of palliative care that lets you spend more time with your family without debilitating side effects, are you choosing life? Maybe. It's kind of hard to say. At some point, the language just doesn't work anymore. Sometimes our fear of death keeps us from living. Our desire to preserve life drives us toward death. And sometimes life and death get mixed up with each other and we can't separate them. And those two complicating issues, the limitedness of our own choices and the vagueness of what life is, make each other worse when we put them together. In 2002, Samantha Power was working as an academic when she wrote a book entitled The Problem from Hell that argued that the U.S. should have done more to prevent the Bosnian genocide. But as she recounts in her recent memoir, her optimism about our ability to save lives, to choose life, as it were, was tempered when she left academia and went into public service. Instead of reflecting on these events from afar, she was now responsible for fixing them. And while it was easy to say what other people should have done about Bosnia after the fact, it was much harder to be the one to figure out what to do about Syria right now. Reflecting on her time in public service, she writes, quote, even when we try to do right, we invariably end up making situations worse. Now perhaps invariably is too strong, but you get the basic idea. Sometimes our efforts to choose life actually cost more lives than they save. The doors of life and death aren't clearly marked. So does Moses' admonition for us to choose life have any meaning? 
Well, based on what I just said, you can make a pretty good argument that the answer is no. Just throw it out and move on to the gospel reading. But that's too easy, and today's gospel reading is too hard. So let's stick with Deuteronomy for the time being. It helps to remember some of the context for this reading. The admonition to choose life is not some maxim dropped down on, from on high, some old adage that's self-evidently true for all times and places. It's part of Moses' long farewell speech. Moses and the Israelites have been wandering through the wilderness for 40 years, and the time has finally come for them to enter the promised land. But Moses can't go in, so he gives this long speech, and he reminds the people of what their story is about how God brought them out of Egypt, sustained them in the wilderness, led them to the new land, and most of all, about how God's been faithful to them. So why does Moses give this long speech? Why not just get to the promised land and say, we're here, have fun, don't go crazy with the milk and honey? Well, part of it is that now God's people are going to bear responsibility for the communities that they create. Egypt was bad, but the Israelites were enslaved. They weren't in a position to change anything. So Egypt's evils weren't really their responsibility. But now they're in a position to change things. They're in a position to control the kind of society they create. And now they bear the responsibility for their actions. It's similar to that dilemma that Power found herself in when she left academia and went into policymaking. In one particularly revealing moment in her memoir, she recounts asking a colleague if she could lay out some potential options for how to address chemical weapons in Syria and have them passed up the chain for the next meeting. To which her colleague responded, there is no other meeting. Meaning you can't just weigh the possible options. At some point, you have to make a choice, which means you have to take responsibility. So Moses is telling God's people that things are going to be different now. You have the power to create a new kind of society that's based on the loving kindness of God instead of the vindictive whims of Pharaoh. And because you have the power, you bear the responsibility. So be aware of the decisions you make. You might think it's someone else's decisions who really matter, that the power lies somewhere else. Someone else will take care of things. But that's not true. Your decisions determine what happens. There's no other people. There's no other land. There's no other meeting. The other reason Moses gives this long speech, this is probably the more important part, is because God's people, the Israelites, and by extension us, are going to forget. They're going to forget where they came from. Instead of saying, God brought us out of Egypt, they'll say, we brought ourselves out of Egypt. We're self-made people. Instead of remembering that they were once foreigners in a foreign land, they'll enslave the foreigners and tell themselves they've always been in the promised land. It was the foreigners who invaded our space. And instead of worshiping Yahweh, who has all these super inconvenient rules about not murdering people and not enslaving foreigners and not stealing your neighbor's stuff, but worship the gods who promise material salvation without communal flourishing and individual salvation without personal repentance. In other words, Moses gives them this long speech to remind them of God's covenant with them. 
The covenant shows us that choosing life is not just about making decisions that align with some abstract principle. Life is not just something that's happening or not. It's not just existing. It's qualitative. And it has depth to it. Moses actually defines life in today's reading, and this is how he does it. Life is loving the Lord your God, walking in God's ways, and observing God's commandments. In other words, life means honoring the covenant that God made with you. Life means seeking the welfare of your neighbor. Life means not enslaving the foreigners in your land. Life means resisting Pharaoh's old ways of measuring people's value by how much they produce for you. And life means remembering that it was God who brought you out of Egypt, not you. And that's really the key to the whole thing. The choose and choose life isn't so much about making good decisions as it is about trusting. Trusting that even when you are about to cross into this new land with new responsibility, God is there with you. And the life and choose life is not about life as some abstract principle, as it is God's promise to be for us no matter what. And when we love the Lord, walk in the Lord's ways, and observe the Lord's commandments, God's promises become reality in the lives of our neighbors. So if it makes sense to you, choose life by all means. But more than that, trust the promise. Trust that God's new beloved community is coming to fruition in and through each of us. Trust that the responsibility we bear for our decisions is the same weight that bends the arc of the universe towards justice. And trust the promise that in Christ, God's divine life chooses us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.